0: Welcome back to your ex-boyfriend's podcast, episode 17. This week we have another guest, number two. And with me in the studio today is uh, one of my good friends, Rachel Frizonke. Hey. What's going on? (laughs) Not
1: (laughs) much. Hanging out with your dog.
0: Hell yeah. He's actually a really good uh, facilitator for interviews because if you ever get to a question that makes you like feel any certain way just pet the dog yeah
1: he's very soothing definitely he, common the nerves.
0: i have thought about getting him like certified as a like emotional support animal but i think he's a little too high energy for
1: yeah that. he'd be a sweetie
0: he would be just look at him just sitting there all cute fuzzy
1: He's a lot calmer than our tank because she's just like smush you.
0: She's younger, right? She's three. Yeah. Okay. So she's still, she's puppy.
1: Yeah. She's figuring it out.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. He just kind of hit the middle age. I don't know. Dog years. I know they're not linear. It's not seven every, every year as they get older. I think he's probably close to my age. That's why we're so similar. Makes sense. I think we have like the same personality. (laughs) okay so enough about jonesy um so rachel's here as a guest um and we're gonna talk about a lot of stuff i think but mainly i invited her because of what she does rachel is a uh, licensed behavioral analyst that works with children is that correct yeah and you're still in the process of You're kind of at the end of your licensing process?
1: Yeah, so I'm an assistant technically now. And then in hopefully two months, I'll be a licensed behavior analyst.
0: Okay. And I know you and I have talked about this before, but for those who are listening, can you give me like just a brief overview of what you do?
1: Yeah. So I work in the field of applied behavior analysis. So what that is is... Basically, we use the science of behaviorism to change behaviors. So we work with kids primarily on the autism spectrum and we create interventions that increase behaviors we want to see and decrease behaviors that are becoming barriers for them. So like things that aren't going to help them progress in any way Mm -hmm. um, is what we're usually trying to decrease.
0: And you said a word behaviorism. I've never heard that before.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's the scientific study of behavior. So it's like everything we know about behavior is in behaviorism through a lot of different studies like Pavlov's dog. Oh, those kinds of things. The bell. Yeah. Okay. So that's how we like figured out what controls behavior.
0: Speaking of Pavlov's dogs, um, Jonesy has one where when he sees me pulling the covers down um, in the bed at night, he knows not to jump up. And I didn't teach him that. It was just because every time he was on the bed, I would kick him off to pull the covers down. (laughs) So now he just sits patiently at the end of the bed and waits.
1: Yeah, knows what's (laughs) happening. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh, So in in this study of behaviorism, do you specialize? Are there specialties or is it just kind of a, that is your specialty?
1: So yeah, ABA is my specialty. So there's a couple of different wings. ABA was? Applied Behavior Analysis. So the applied is like creating significant socially significant change for individuals so we take that science and we apply it to each person and everything we do is focused on the person that we're working with so behaviorism is like the overarching study and then in uh, we apply it in my field Um, there's like experimental versions um, so that's just doing the studies and you would take like a larger population to do this study versus Mm -hmm. in ABA we do Single subject study, so one person. Okay. And, and that's
0: pre- primarily what you do is the single study?
1: Basically, yeah. I don't necessarily do it in like an experimental format, but technically, everything that we do is because we look at the data to see the trends. Like, are they, is the scale increasing like we want it to, or mm-hmm. decreasing, or is it like highly variable? Um, all of those things because we want it to be in whatever direction the intervention is intending. We want to make sure that the data is continuously going in that way. And that there's nothing disrupting it. Cause that's all the. So it's very nerdy. I look at a lot of graphs. Yeah. And like look at the data points and break behaviors down into observable and measurable things. And
0: like concrete, yeah. measurable statistics.
1: Yeah. So like part of it is we take, like I'll observe a kiddo engaging in a behavior, like let's say aggression, and I will define it in what's called an operational definition in our field. Mm-hmm. And so like, I will have to Yeah, by the way, you can
0: get as technical as you want. I'm I'm trying to educate out here.
1: Yeah. So I will break down that behavior into a way that and anyone who walks up the street could read the definition and could identify when it's happening. Okay, so so
0: more approachable to the layman. Yeah. Okay.
1: Yeah, because we want it to be like you can't collect accurate data on behavior if you can't identify it mm-hmm. and so that's a big component of it if i don't define it well then it's like well does that count is, is that, that really
0: science at that point if you're not getting good data collection
1: yeah it's too objective oh nice. but behavior is super objective so it's this weird like you got to turn it into a scientific
0: thing i guess <laughs> yeah no i i hear it it, it, it actually I I love quotes on this podcast because I feel like people say stuff better than I ever could. Yeah. <laughs> it reminds me of the movie, uh, the Robert Downey Jr. Sherlock Holmes movies. Oh yeah, do you ever see those? Yeah. You remember when he's like data, data, data? I can't make bricks without clay.
1: I don't remember that part, but I
0: think about that all the quote. time. Yeah, because you you can't like it, a lot of science. I've noticed when it comes to like, I don't I don't want to like call them not hard science but where it's like these way more fluid subjective subjects mm-hmm. psychology being one of them behavior analytics mm-hmm. um it, in the past i'm sure you know it used to just be like oh well we tried some shit and it worked or it didn't but we just kept doing it because we don't know what else we're doing yeah um and then like having to break it down into like you're saying hard data points has i'm sure you've seen a lot of benefits
1: it does It also has a lot of limitations with behavior, though. Like, one of the big things we talk about is, um, so B.F. Skinner came up with radical behaviorism, which is basically saying that our internal private events Mm -hmm. contribute to our behavior, which is totally true. Like, you wake up, you're having a bad day. You're Mm -hmm. kind of a bitch all day. Like, it's (laughs) going to change how things are. Um, And we can't observe that because I can't look at you and say, like, oh, you woke up on the wrong side of the bed or, like, you... Are feeling shitty today unless Mm -hmm. you tell me so i can't measure it i'm not
0: feeling great today rachel (laughs) i'm fucking tired
1: (laughs) (laughs) see i wouldn't know that so i can't measure like if that is a contributing factor to changes in your behavior i can't measure that because i can't tell you how you're feeling on the inside just based off of looking at you Mm -hmm. so if i thought that that was like a setting event then i could only address it as a setting event and still measure the behaviors
0: setting event being
1: something in your environment that has basically led to that type of behavior so like think about if you're driving and there's a bunch of traffic like you're gonna be in a bad mood and Mm -hmm. then maybe you're going to like a party that you would be super social at but you were stuck in traffic so now you're really angry
0: yeah i've been there
1: (laughs) yeah or like like your podcasting like getting a text from your ex-girlfriend when you're about to go on a date or something like that would be a setting event that it's gonna change whatever your behavior is in the future yeah because of that one thing
0: that's funny i i'm pretty sure that exact thing has happened that would be shitty to me
1: oh man (laughs) yeah that would really set you in like a bad mood to start
0: (laughs) i think i might have canceled the date just because i was grumpy (laughs) yeah that's fair uh okay so i think we've got a at least a start on a handle on on what you do um Tell me a little bit about how you got into it, what it looks like for you in the schools. Well, let's just start. How, how did you get into this? What what caused you to start down that path?
1: Oh, man. Um, my bachelor's degree is in communication. Mm-hmm. I thought I wanted to go in advertising. And I, like, after I graduated, went on this big travel trip with a friend, realized I hated everything about advertising. Where did you go? We went backpacking through Europe, like, true, like, had the big ass backpacks, which are super mm-hmm. impractical to travel with, by the way. Don't <laughs> do it. But the we big, just... like
0: hard frame ones. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And we just went, like, bought a one way ticket there and then kind of just perused around for a couple months. And when I got back, I didn't know what I wanted to do, but I love working with kids. And so I started working in home care for adults with developmental disabilities for this, like, really shitty company that actually got closed down cuz it had poor business practices later. Yeah. But a family friend of mine mentioned what she did which was ABA and I was like, "Ah, sure. Fuck it. I'll I'll try it." Yeah. And that's how I got into it and I absolutely loved it from my very first day, but mm-hmm. I burnt out like nobody's business after about a year and a half in the fields. Okay. And then I left trying to become an occupational therapist and i did there was like a bunch of other jobs that led me back to this because there's nothing better than the science of behavior it's like the coolest thing in the world to understand what is contributing to people's behavior and like mm-hmm. to be able to look at it and think how can i make this more beneficial for you yeah nothing cooler so
0: that's your drug
1: It is. (laughs) And I worked in early intervention right before I decided to go back to get my master's for this.
0: Do you have your, you you already got your master's? Yeah. I finished in December. Congratulations, by the way.
1: Yeah. So in early intervention, like that's birth to three.
0: Okay.
1: And a lot of these kids are just getting diagnosed with autism or they're pursuing it. And the families were like, what do I do next? I don't know what services are next. And I would Talk parents through like this is ABA. This is what it looks like. This is what it's going to be when they get sessions. And, kind and of- this is
0: as you work for a private company. Yeah. Okay. So, Contracted by individuals or by schools?
1: Well, it, through insurance. So okay. Um, kind of the individuals. Sure. But they're recommended through doctors to get the services. Hmm. So that's how I wound up back in the field. Very looped you way through, yeah. but I wouldn't change it because it made me. More empathetic on the way the second yeah. round.
0: Well, so first of all, I love that this like I feel like this is starting to be a trend with people I've spoken to. You started on one path. You thought definitely that's what you wanted to do, mm-hmm. and then something kind of fell in your lap, and you were like, "I'm all in." That's exactly what happened to me, um, and I've spoken about it on this podcast before. Uh, and you took the opportunity in front of you, and made it yours yeah and here you are talking about it passionately to literally dozens of people yeah (laughs) on this podcast (laughs) i think that was an exaggeration it's like three (laughs) okay so uh you just got your master's Mm -hmm. but you're still in the process of licensing yeah so is there a big ass test at the end of this
1: yeah so the the two parts is you get your master's degree which is about a year and a half two years and then you do a field work, which is completely separate from your master's program, which is 2,000 hours um, of practicing, mm-hmm. basically. And then you can sit for the big-ass exam, like a three-hour exam.
0: Is this a state license?
1: No. So <laughs> it's a little confusing. So there's a board that monitor, like, manages all of ABA practitioners, mm-hmm. and you have to be licensed through them. They're based in Colorado. And then you get your state license. So there's like two separate things that I have to have. The state license, I just send them my paperwork. But to become board certified, to actually call oh, okay. myself a behavior analyst, okay. that's what I have
0: to do. Okay, gotcha. So yeah. that kind of sounds like how um, you get like licensed as a doctor. Is this a similar? Like there's a medical board that you have to appease and then that allows you to get your state license
1: kind of i mean it's really similar to like what you guys are doing like electricians like when you do your your state exam versus like you journey your union whatever
0: gotcha like Like where like there's school like mm -hmm. through the apprenticeship and then there's the state yeah okay
1: so the state is like same state license kind of a small potatoes but it's the union one that makes the difference gotcha 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 yeah
0: okay So, uh, you know, we, we don't have to talk about like specifics because, you know, we're not trying to like get all your public or your private information out there. (laughs) And if anything leaks out, we're going to cut it. (laughs) But, um, the company that you work for, how have you liked working for them?
1: It's been good. I've worked for a lot of different companies in ABA, this field, there's a lot of burnout Mm because it's a very exhausting field. And so each company has a different way of dealing with it. But right now I'm at a pretty big company. And so they have like all of the amenities like I they have an HR department, not just like <laughs> one person who yeah. does scheduling and HR. Yeah. So that's been really great. Um, And there's something to be said about working about a bigger company because they're not as concerned about you individually making money. It's yes. more like you've got people to cover your ass. Versus at a small company, it's like, we depend on you to keep our doors open constantly. And when you're working in a field where you're providing services that families are thinking, like, we depend on you too, that takes a huge toll.
0: How long were you with a smaller unit?
1: When I very first started, the company I was at was small and they kind of grew. And then when I returned, I worked for technically two small companies before I got here.
0: Do you prefer one over the other?
1: I do like the bigger companies. Okay. I think it just gives you more options. And I feel like it's easier to stick to, like, the ethical guidelines when you have a bigger company because you've <laughs> yeah. got more people that you can rely on Yeah. versus smaller companies. Like, the biggest issue that we have is sometimes the smaller companies, you get a case that's, like, really difficult and totally out of your scope and your competency. Mm-hmm. But there's no one else to take it and so you feel obligated like i have to serve this learner even though i have no skills related to what they need Mm -hmm. with a bigger company you can be like okay this person has more experience and then we can all collaborate and so that's better that's a lot better
0: i gotcha it it makes me think about now I, i think sam could probably attest to the same like when you're out in private construction the smaller companies tend to have a little more like fly by the seat of your pants, a little bit of wild West feel where you just kind of have to get the job done Mm -hmm. without the proper resources. Like when he and I were both working for that contractor, we both worked for at the same time (laughs) Mm -hmm. without saying any names, but you know who you are. (laughs) Um, It was like, okay, well we have equipment from the nineties and it's the mid 2010s, late 2010s. And we've got, you know we know there's money here but none of that money goes to like enfor- reinforcing the labor pool it's just like mm-hmm. we've got this little group of people that gets shit done somehow and it's worked out so far so we'll just keep doing that yeah whereas the bigger companies you know he arguably works for one of the biggest companies or w- biggest yeah. contractors in the in the state right now um you are just l- like inundated with policy and regulation and Mm -hmm. money and and equipment sometimes (laughs) although I I think that really depends a lot on who you work for individually Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah it's it's funny the parallels between and you know what I'm I'm guessing that that is not just limited to our two professions
1: no I doubt it it's been weird to see the differences because I've never worked for a big company like this before aba is still a pretty new field Mm -hmm. and so oftentimes the companies you go to are all local
0: how new are we talking would you say
1: you know since like the 70s is when the board came around to certify so the science has been around for a long time Mm -hmm. but the actual like use and the applied practice of it with regulations which is big very important like you had crackpots yeah. being like this is totally yeah and you're like it's not
0: that's entirely what i was thinking about when we were talking earlier about you know it used to just be this like oh we, it it sounds right you know we don't yeah. have data to support this yeah we'll give it a shot yeah. it's
1: that's the hard thing to fight against like it's a it's a big issue so there's a lot of adults with autism are on the autism spectrum
0: i think my grandpa has autism Interesting. Did we talk about that before? I think so. Oh, I thought I told you. I I just as a side note, I'm pretty sure he does. Huh. Like he's very high functioning, mm-hmm. has led an entirely like what you would consider a normal life. Yeah. Had family and jobs and anything everything, but uh just the way that you've described how autism presents because you know, we've talked about it. Um pretty sure he does (laughs) yeah yeah i would love for you to meet him one day although that's probably never gonna happen and and then you could validate my theory
1: (laughs) yeah it's interesting because like a long time ago there was they used to consider autism and then asperger's two different things yes now one big spectrum yeah we
0: we have spoken about that i was under that assumption for a long time yeah is that relatively new
1: I think it's within like the last 10 years. I'm not sure exactly when, but it's, okay. it's relatively recent, Okay. but it's made a difference because all of the individuals who were like up there, like they are leading independent lives, but they have some struggles now are getting identified. So it makes sense. Like there's something that's leading to this. Um, yeah. Like it's, it's just wild. Okay. It affects more people than you think.
0: I I noticed that as I got older and learned more about it, Mm -hmm. like where I used to think that and like a good example is my grandfather. In the case of my my grandpa, I'm like, he's got some quirks Mm -hmm. that I don't understand. I think I attributed to them, attributed them as a child to just uh, like either upbringing or maybe some experiences that he had had when he was in Vietnam. Like, yeah, there were just various things that I tried to explain them with. And it didn't affect our relationship, you know? Yeah but learned more and i'm like yeah he is somewhere on the spectrum
1: yeah it, it's very i mean there's a lot of attributes of it that we can see in ourselves all the time like rigidity i i am crazy rigid about my schedule like when Are it you? gets disrupted i have the hardest time in like my house keeping it clean and yeah. sam makes massive messes all the time and it oh
0: Yeah, but you love him. I do, but (laughs)
1: man. Yeah, like things like that. He doesn't understand necessarily like when the house feels messy to me. It's so overwhelming. I can't get anything done. I can't think clearly. And like I'm rigid in how I have to do it. And there's things that he's super rigid about too.
0: What is he rigid about? Oh, man. And and just for the sake of our our boy Sam, we can cut any of this out after he (laughs) says yes or no. (laughs)
1: When we first started dating, he had a specific seat. So Where? When he ate dinner. There was a seat at the bar at the <laughs> condo. And if okay. I would sit there, he would be like, no, no, no. That's where I eat. That's where have I to sit. to get up. And I would have to get up and move. And there was just like, I can't, I'm trying to remember other things other than the chair. But that used to be a big thing where he, I, he would not let me sit there. He's like, you have yeah. to get up and move.
0: Like, have you ever talked to him about it? Like the, what the reasoning behind that is?
1: That's his chair. That's his response. It's okay. my chair. That's where I eat.
0: Okay. Yeah, Does fine. he have a spot now? Now that we kind of do, but together?
1: he's a lot more flexible about it now than he was when we first met. Interesting. I think partially because, like, if the dinner table. If people come over, he's like, eh, it's okay that you guys are sitting there." But yeah. he kind of gives him the look. Like, it's my spot. You can see the look, mm-hmm.
0: and nobody else knows. Like, yeah. they're not the ones catching it.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: So it, I, I definitely identify with what you were saying about the house being clean that exact struggle is one that my ex and i had when we lived together oh yeah and it was the same like she liked her space exactly how she wanted it like Mm -hmm. if it deviated from that too far it was an issue yeah and my idea of clean and her idea of clean did not mesh so she would bring stuff up and i'd be like i have no idea what you're talking about It's really nice in here. And she'd be like, what are you talking about? It's super messy. (laughs) Yeah. So definitely, what were we talking about? Oh, rigidity. Yeah. So you see even tendencies that, I'm guessing you don't consider yourself on the spectrum.
1: No, I wouldn't consider myself. But I think I have a lot of like developmental struggles of my own. So I Mm -hmm. do relate with. How it affects how you interact with the world and that Mm -hmm. kind of stuff, and ABA is not only applicable, right, to individuals with autism. I mean, Sam and I literally we we use it on each other all the time. I was
0: just about to ask you that.
1: Yeah, and if you like, once you—that's the craziest thing. Once you know the science, you (laughs) see it everywhere. Yeah, and you're like, people don't realize that this is part of their day to day life, and when you explain that to them they're like holy shit it's like how i can't go
0: into a building without looking at the electrical installation yeah it just is you cannot help but notice
1: yeah you just it makes more sense yeah
0: so you uh do you go into schools or do you do primarily just at home
1: depends both um so there's a couple of different ways that we do it Most of the time we do in-home services, so we're Mm. contracted through the family's insurance or private pay, so their insurance won't cover it, but they're paying.
0: Thanks, America.
1: Yeah, it's great. (laughs) Um, Love it. And then sometimes we get contracted with school districts. So for school districts, there's two forms of contracts that our company has. Mm -hmm. One, we go in and support the classroom, so we support all the students in the classroom, and the teacher can dictate, like, you go work with this kid today, you work with that kid today, you just help do this. And then there's the other one where you go into a school for a specific learner and you work directly with them basically as a one-to-one para Mm
0: -hmm.
1: all the time. And that's your only responsibility is working with that child throughout the day.
0: Which do you prefer? The in-home or the the, in-school?
1: It's tricky because school is a really powerful setting because that's oftentimes where kids have a really hard time. It's crazy expectations in school that we set for our kids and so that's really impactful. Yeah. <laughs> but home, it's the same thing. Like you're teaching the parents how to do this on their own. And when you're in homes, it is almost easier to see where you can get to the discharge because that's the goal. We don't want our learners to be in services for years and years. Yeah. And if you can teach parents how to do this, these services and the skills, like they won't need us after a couple yeah, of years. Yeah, all the better. Yeah. So that's that's the dream. Like when I see parents implementing some of the interventions that we use and having a great rate of success. Mm -hmm. Sweet. Love it.
0: Yeah. And that's exactly, it it reminds me of, uh, you hear the same from a a good therapist. Mm -hmm. They'll, they'll say, I really don't want to see you at some point. It's okay. If we have a long term relationship where, you know, it takes maybe even years, but Mm -hmm. my goal is for you to be able to do everything that we talk about on your own.
1: Yeah. That's the dream yeah i mean sometimes i even teach the learner how to do skills on their own yeah so they do this the intervention like for they, they okay the intervention mm-hmm. oh that's the, yeah okay so we would it'd be like a self-management strategy so that's we do it all the time but yeah once you see that too you're like shit, one of my this isn't giving any in- information away so it's not a hipaa violation but one of my clients <laughs> even
0: if it was <laughs> we're chop <chopping> it out
1: <laughs> the fan we identified that Him setting alarms on his phone was a great way for him to go through his entire routine. Mm -hmm. And it's like, okay, now you use an alarm. You don't need anyone else to mediate your getting ready routine. You're 100% independent in the morning. Yeah. And now parents are like, sweet. I don't have to do anything. There you go. And that's great for him too because that's a skill we have to have as adults. Like no one wakes me up in the morning other than my phone. But (laughs) like that's awesome. So much independence.
0: Does Peanut not wake you up?
1: No, she doesn't. She sleeps until we sleep most of the time. Mm -hmm. Lucky. She is lazy. That is Except for sometimes, like, the other day, she got a hold of a bag of Dot's pretzels (laughs) and ate the entire thing. And she woke me up at, like, 3 a.m. Like, you have to take me out right now. Something's happening. Yeah. (laughs) But other than that, she doesn't usually wake us up.
0: Man, what a good girl. I know. That's amazing. Uh, Jonesy's whole life, from the moment I got him, he has been... Uh, on his own schedule <laughs> so i remember distinctly like the first year i had him he would get up like if he wasn't already on the bed he would jump up like half of his body up on my side and he would just like push at me just wake up with his way. paws and he would <laughs> you know make little dog noises until i got up he has always been very strict about his schedule as well so mm-hmm. i'm sure he could appreciate <laughs> what you were saying yeah if he doesn't eat on the dot 12 hours between meals as soon as that 12 hour mark hits he's like my stomach hurts and i'm gonna throw up on the floor oh shit yeah excess bile production <laughs> <laughs> or whatever he's he's got a sour tummy <laughs> oh, man. um okay so that kind of ties into like my my next question which was kind of how you fit into the educational sphere hmm. um versus at home like i knew i, I figured you did both yeah um you said that it could be a contract with a classroom or with an individual correct yeah when it's contracted with the classroom that's the district or the individual school that's contracting you
1: both is but yeah so we we sometimes it really depends on the learner like sometimes there's classrooms where Mm -hmm. like we have a huge shortage of paras and so the whole reason they're asking us to come and do this is because they can't get paras and no one trains them either like a para educator gets like a 20-hour training of like, hey, here's how you walk through the building, not how right. you work with a student. Oh,
0: I remember. I remember just these random people coming into the classroom when I was a kid. And I'm like, this is just a guy off the street. Yeah. This this could be like the attendant at the gas station trying to teach these kids.
1: It's a little crazy <laughs> yeah. who they hire and how they don't prepare them. Because that happens all the time where you see a pair who's like terrified of a learner because they mm-hmm. haven't been trained how to work with them. So when we come in, we come in with that behavioral training of, like, I know what You're the big guns. Yeah. And so if we're contracted to the classroom, it's a little different because there's not a BCBA, a board-certified behavior analyst, writing the interventions for the students. So your job is dictated by the teachers, and you're just using the principles that we know to kind of help mediate the behaviors of the classroom. Okay. If you're contracted with the student, there is a board-certified behavior analyst who's writing an intervention for the student specifically based on their IEP goals. Individualized education plan. Thank you. I knew yeah. the acronym. I was just <laughs> struggling
0: to to remember. <laughs>
1: yeah. So if we're contracted with the school district, there's a lot of limitations because yeah. we can't do anything outside of the scope of what the school has already dictated for that student. Yes. We have to follow all of their rules, which there's a lot.
0: In mm-hmm. the IEP? hmm Okay.
1: So like if the teachers say that this list of things is their goals, we can't create one outside of that list on their IEP. Even if we're like this would be crazy meaningful and this would really the learner. Yeah, we can't add it in there.
0: So is there wiggle room like on the individual goals? Like if something if you saw something that was lacking from in the IEP and you wanted to add it but you couldn't, could that then be like could it be implemented in the, the goals that you did have access to
1: kind of the wiggle room is if we look at the IEP goals sometimes they'll be really broad like the student will communicate their needs if okay. there's a goal like that then I can implement like 50 different interventions to mm-hmm. teach them communication and as long as it fits under the umbrella of the IEP goal right but if it was like oh I, I think they really need to become independent on their toileting routine mm-hmm. and that's not in the IEP goals then I can't target that
0: okay that brings up another question what's the age range that you work with
1: uh typically you don't get a diagnosis till you're about three but we can start services as soon as you have a diagnosis until 21
0: do you or uh, have you worked with that whole age range yes okay is there is it easier when they're younger it's easier when they're younger
1: because like science has backed that it interventions are more effective the younger they are because we're still learning and we're habits have not behaviors. been cemented yet um but it's it's cool to work with older clients it's very very different mm-hmm. um and there's oftentimes you're working with years of bad learned habits or yeah. trauma oftentimes a lot of trauma yeah
0: i can imagine so then we talk about that on this podcast <laughs> yeah
1: so when you're working with I mean, of course, when you're working with an individual trauma, like it's going to change how you do interventions completely. Right, because now that's it... like an an
0: added thing that you have to unravel. Mm-hmm. It's not just this person has autism; it's like this person has a, as everyone does, this laundry list of learned behaviors. Yeah, that were survival t- tactics.
1: Yeah, so oftentimes instead of like targeting that behavior to decrease, we would teach them like coping strategies, and so we would teach yeah. them alternative behaviors because. If you have aggression in your repertoire and it's worked, it's likely never going to go away. Right. Because it's worked. And it, like intermittent reinforcement, if this behavior contacts reinforcement at any time, it's going to be near impossible to get rid of. Gotcha. Because it could work this time. Yeah. Which is the trickiest part.
0: Right. You look back. How, how many times has this worked for me? A lot. Yeah. And even though I'm being told that it it could change. Why Why would I not fall back on what is reliable?
1: Yeah. Yeah, our behaviors are very... Like, our behaviors are completely controlled through reinforcement and punishment. So yeah. it's gotten us something that we liked or it's removed something we don't like, reinforcement. Yeah. Or it's added something we don't like or taken something away we like. So everything we do is controlled by those two things.
0: So you said as you got into this field, like, you started not being able to, like you see it everywhere Mm -hmm. right so how weird is it to then realize like all of these learned behaviors that you have or that the people that are close to you have and you're like man if only somebody had intervened when i was like fucking seven i wouldn't be this way or they wouldn't do the things that they're doing like
1: yeah it's pretty weird i think what's weirdest for me now is like Our behaviors are our behaviors and we're the only ones who can control them once we're older.
0: 100%.
1: But seeing parents around me, like family members or friends when they're parenting, seeing how their kids react and then they'll ask questions for me like, oh, why is this happening? I'm like, I don't understand how you don't see it. Right. That's the struggle. (laughs) Like it's very obvious for me, but it's not always obvious for everybody. And then for your own behavior too, it's like I know when I engage in a behavior that I would consider like maladaptive. I'm like, fuck! Mm-hmm. Why did I do that? That was stupid. <laughs> I know why I do it, and I can like look back and figure out, okay, yeah, this is what I do. And I can also think of my own replacement behaviors of like next time, right? <laughs> I'll do this, right? Hopefully, but most people don't do that at all.
0: No, that's that's part of the like like self-awareness sort of self-analysis portion that we are I've noticed we are actively taught and conditioned to avoid because if you don't do that there's all these other things that you could do uh, unhealthy coping mechanisms that benefit other people you know you could buy some stuff or you could you know get addicted to some stuff or you could sleep with too many people like there's all sorts of things that are pushed as as like fast track you know shortcut replacements Mm -hmm. you'll feel better right when in reality you're just making shit worse
1: yeah i mean it's weird like even just what we're told to do when we're kids like you graduate high school you go to college you get a job you get married you buy a house you have babies yes that whole thing that conditioning of like doesn't work for most people
0: did you happen to listen to that episode where i talked about that yeah yeah uncomfortable yeah (laughs) <laughs> it's
1: like the worst condition we can do because there's so many things that we don't take into consideration, and then we go in with this closed-minded. Like I've met in my field, particularly, a lot of the like direct providers, mm-hmm. behavior techs, are straight out of college. Mm-hmm. So, or they're still in college, they're finishing up their senior year, and they're all of these kids that have never worked a job, they've <laughs> never yeah. done anything outside of been a student, and now all of a sudden they have this really intense job. Like it's not just an after-school job. there's a lot of rules you have to follow like a very specific plan and it's very intense and they come into it and they're like holy shit how do i have a job right and they just cancel last minute and all these and you're like that's not how it works in our field we yeah we still keep hiring (laughs) like (laughs) we gotta provide more training for people because there's so many kids that just come out of that pipeline of this is what you're supposed to do right and then they get dumped at the other end and they're like how do i life like what
0: how, am I a real person? Yeah. Like,
1: Am I adulting? Like, what is happening? I don't understand what I'm doing.
0: Yeah. And then what do you get at the end of that? It's like, okay, well, I did what I was supposed to do. And I felt like I was, you know, quote unquote, hitting the milestones. Yeah. I was checking the boxes. And then I get dumped out. And it's like, well, all I have to show for this is anxiety and a bunch of student debt. Yeah. <laughs>
1: like, you don't get much.
0: I'm scared. <laughs> Yeah, it's rough.
1: I work with a lot because right now I'm doing a lot of supervision. So I work with a lot of Yeah, you are, as you
0: said earlier... Yeah.
1: I'm the support. I'm the supervisor.
0: I thought it was a cool title.
1: Licensed behavior... Assistant behavior analyst. No,
0: no, no, not that one. You said your job title is... Program supervisor. Program supervisor. Yeah. Yeah. This is the PS right here. We're talking to the PS.
1: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, but a lot of these kids, like, they... They come in like wide-eyed and bushy-tail ready to go, and then they'll see a learner engage in aggression or right. a tantrum, and they'll be like, holy shit, I didn't realize people did this. And you're right. like, well, look at why he's doing that. And they're like, I, why would anyone engage in that behavior? Well, if you can't communicate your needs, you're going to do whatever the hell it takes to get your point across, regardless of where your language is at. So, ha-
0: Have you ever heard that phrase that there is no such thing as manipulation, only unmet needs?
1: I believe it. How crazy is that? That is totally fitting. I will just break my hair
0: clip. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it makes sense. Like, there was a big shift when I left ABA the first time. I was so burnt out because it was like every time my client would, in my eyes, fail or they'd have a hard day, yeah. I would take it upon myself like I failed them. Internalize I, that, yeah. And I, it, I burnt out. Like, there's no way I could sustain it. Mm-hmm. And when I jumped around and went to different fields, I realized like how. I can't control everything and had to like detach basically. That's a hard day. lesson. It is very valuable. But now that I have, I can look at someone's behavior and, and be like, maybe I caused this, but what's going on in their world that they need for right. me to get through this. And you can kind of like, it's like seeing the future. I feel like I'm in the matrix sometimes. I'm <laughs> like, Oh, I see how this is going to go down and I know what I need to do to prompt you through this situation. Right. And then once you get them through it, it's like, holy shit, this is the best. Or when you avoid it completely.
0: Right. That's like. There it gold. is. Yeah. 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 You, you hit on a good point, I think, which there is uh, it, there's a difference between being the catalyst for somebody's behavior and being the root cause. Mm-hmm. Like you, th- you can't conflate the two because they're entirely different. Yeah. Okay. So um, we're going to talk about the pandemic. <laughs> you were doing this job when covid hit, correct? No. No. Okay, no. I'm not sure of the timeline. What were you doing when covid hit?
1: So, I was working in Early Intervention. Okay. And then in the very beginning of the pandemic, and I got sent to work from home. Yes. And the job that I was doing, I was a I was a program assistant. It's funny the same title, but I was basically a classroom assistant from an Early Intervention classroom. Okay. And when they sent me home, my job was barely enough to entertain me at the workplace so when i went home it was like i got nothing to do you guys Mm -hmm. are paying me full time and i'm doing 10 hours of work a week like if that so i got really bored and i decided i wanted to go back to school and i went back to aba in july like fresh covid july 2020 Mm -hmm. yep yeah so like the perfect time to switch careers and like try (laughs) something new
0: just as a side note i started my career well not career i started my my current place of employment a month after you did i got in to where i am now in august of 2020 oh nice yeah
1: yeah it's weird time to switch because like going back to the companies most of them were virtual so instead oh, okay. of transitioning into a new company and meeting new people, I didn't know anybody that I worked with oh, because yeah. I never got to meet them.
0: <laughs> I remember you telling me about this.
1: It was so weird and so isolating because then you're just at home.
0: Like, do I have coworkers? Yeah.
1: Like, who are you guys?
0: I think I'm all alone in this company. <laughs> yeah.
1: It's a very, it's a very strange feeling because I started in clinics, so I worked next to everybody. Okay. And I there's like a camaraderie that you have when your job is really difficult where you kind of grab onto each other, which was almost toxic.
0: Oh yeah. Misery loves company. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So like I hated that, (laughs) but being all alone was almost worse at the time because then when you had a big escalation or you had something, no one else can relate because you tell other people like, oh, today my client, I had a client throat punch me one time. I remember. And everyone was like, what the fuck do you do? Are you? And I'm like, no, no, no. It was a miscommunication. He needed this, but I needed to prompt him to do this. It what did misstep. you
0: do? Oh, I. Like when you got throat punched.
1: That particular escalation, God, I don't even remember what the trigger was, but that learner had a hard time communicating when he was embarrassed or frustrated. And I think that I had said something in front of peers that were in the room or okay. something like that. And then it led to this big escalation. But like, once you step back, if you can talk about it, you're like, okay, I see it.
0: How do you react in that situation to getting throat punched? Ideally,
1: like, you wouldn't react.
0: Well, yeah. But. You don't want to have there be a reinforcement. Yeah. yeah.
1: But in that But you case, got punched in the throat. You can only control so much of your reaction to get throat punched. <laughs> yeah. And ironically, it ended up being like a very punishing experience for him because yeah. I let out this like weird noise of like Gah! like just <laughs> terrible and well then yeah kind of just stood there like in shock catching my breath and he looked more terrified than i felt getting right. throat punched which in a weird twist of events because of what i do i was like oh buddy are you okay but like Aww. you got throat punched i did got y- throat punched. yeah 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 but Yeah, so that never happened. He never, like, he went to do it another time later and was like, no,
0: no, no. no." Nope, nope. I remember how shitty I felt. That was
1: bad. That was real bad. And (laughs) I was like, thank you. It was really bad for both of us.
0: That is crazy the amount of, I'm sure a lot of it has to do with training Mm -hmm. that you had to go through initially, but the amount of, like, control over your own reaction to that because, you know, as as you know, like, there is an emotional reaction that you're going to naturally experience to anything like Mm. that's okay having your emotional reaction internally is fine our job every day i've i've noticed is to then manage that and 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 not have it come out externally yeah that's an amazing amount of control to have
1: it's hard and it i gotta be honest like at work I'm great at it. Yeah. But as soon as I get home, if Sam says something that annoys me, sometimes I blow up. Like if it's been a hard day yeah, and that's rough because it's not fair to him to come home and then just be like, Oh, I had a bad day. Right. So it, it takes a balance. Like I think sometimes there has been moments at work where I'll look back and I'm like, Oh, maybe I should have handled it differently. Sure. But it was an honest reaction to my client. And oftentimes they're like, Oh, like just the other day, one of my clients reacted, very dramatically and very big to something that i would perceive as a very small deal yeah and i was frustrated in the moment and my reaction was like stop what do you want and i don't normally react so abruptly yeah but he kind of he did stop he was like rachel do this and i was like okay why don't you just say
0: that (laughs) 10-4 chief yeah (laughs) say
1: that next time instead (laughs) of like this big reaction because i don't know what you need in that moment yeah but it did end up working because he was like, okay, I get it. If I use my words, you're going to respect and honor them. I don't have to react this big way for you to stop. But if I react a big way, you're not going to stop.
0: Like, Do yeah. you think that your reaction to that was like you just got lucky and that it worked? Or was it like a subconscious like you actually might have known that that worked and in the moment the training kicked in or your your own expertise kicked in without you even realizing it?
1: The big reaction I would say was definitely just a reaction. But the comeback from it where I was able to like tell me what you need. Yeah. Um, that's from my training. Okay. Cause I think that's what you see oftentimes when people get frustrated when you're not able to communicate your needs. <laughs> oh yeah, 10 four. Can't understand. <laughs> you have these yeah. big reactions and then both people just end up frustrated because no one is like, Can you just tell me what you needed in that moment? Yeah. Cause that's I think like, especially in like relationships when you don't have that. Any type of relationship, family relationships, yeah. relationship relationships, like it makes it really difficult if you can't say I need this.
0: Yeah, there. So I I'm, not, I'm gonna butcher the quote um, because it's it's been a while since I I read it, but it always stuck with me. I I won't forget this um, because in the past it applied a lot more to me. Um, it uh, it was along the lines of the moments in like an argument or a confrontation any type of relationship like you're talking about the moments in which you feel yourself about to escalate or shut down, you know, in either direction. Those are the moments at which your deepest desire is to be understood. And that like rocked my world. When I read that, I think maybe I knew on a subconscious level at some point, because every time I either I did one of those two things where I escalated to the point of ridiculousness or shut down, Mm -hmm. like, if I could take a minute and actually think about what was going wrong, it was always like, I don't feel like I'm being seen. Like I can't communicate. And I don't think I'm on the spectrum, but like what we were talking about earlier, we know that one of the big problems that these individuals encounter is they, they cannot communicate their needs. Mm -hmm. And whereas I can communicate them, it's not, it doesn't guarantee that the other person I'm trying to communicate to understands them.
1: Yeah. Yeah, a lot of it is like you have to communicate it, but that's a certain point you have to have a toleration as well.
0: For not m- getting your point across?
1: For not getting your way. Yeah. I mean, that's a reality. Like, Yeah,
0: that's life.
1: Part of, there's kind of this, when you start with a client that's really young, you do what's called, we've got words for normal things. Manned training, basically requests.
0: Say that one more time. So
1: a manned is a request. If you're asking for anything in any way, shape, or form, it's a request or we would refer to it as a man. Why? So M A N D? Yeah.
0: I did not know that was a standalone word. Yeah. So D man.
1: does Google or any type of typing document because it will put a little red line underneath it.
0: So maybe it maybe it is made up? <laughs> By us. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Okay.
1: Yeah, but it's it's one of the verbal operands which so Skinner basically defined B.F. Skinner is like the father of all things that I I know. Yeah, But he defined verbal behavior differently than just talking because there's so many different facets to verbal behavior. And a lot of it is unspoken, which seems counterintuitive because you're like, verbal behavior, you think of talking. But he broke it down in like, so a man does a request and then you have like a tact where you label something. Mm -hmm. um, An interverbal is like a conversation. But when we communicate those things, it doesn't always mean someone else is going to respond to them in the way we want them to. So when we're training a young kid, how to request things, we'll often honor it every single time. Mm -hmm. So if they ask for a gummy bear, every time they ask for a gummy bear, I'm going to give them a gummy bear. And then at some point we have to start decreasing that Mm -hmm. because you can't get a gummy bear 24 hours a day. If you ask anybody, it just doesn't work that way. If it does, don't take it because it's, who knows where that gummy bear is from <laughs> right but can i get one right now
0: yeah <laughs> like
1: so we do have to decrease it and that can be really difficult when a kid is like this works every single time and now it doesn't work every single time and sometimes we see that behavior it's not worth the effort
0: so is the initial treatment of of um, agreeing to that request is that for them to understand that if they communicate that there are results yeah okay
1: yeah because a big facet of autism is there's a delay in communication so for some learners that means that like at three or four years old they're not talking at all yeah so when they want something they grab your hand and pull you to the fridge or they start screaming and crying and you just start handing them things to get them to stop Mm -hmm. um so we teach them like when you use your words or signs or picture communication or gestures or whatever kind of communication you're going to use you get your needs met but if you don't do that you don't get your needs met okay but it's not always honored. And especially when you the clients start getting older, you're like, no, that's not an option right now. We're like, no. yeah. And most people can't handle it.
0: Enough with the gummy bears.
1: Yeah. Like, it's, it's just rough. And I feel like sometimes I meet adults. And I'm like, did your parents ever say no to you? Because this is, like, <laughs> yeah. such an unrealistic realistic expectation. You go to a workplace. Your yeah. boss is going to say no if you ask for something crazy. No kidding. You go, like, out in public peers are going to say no people say no all the time and if you can't handle that then you're not going to be successful
0: right like isn't adulthood really just learning to manage expectations
1: yeah <laughs> like, people say no all the time and it doesn't matter what you're asking for it could be simple could be uh, absolutely like it's a it's a big part of it and i think if you don't prepare someone for that, you set them up for failure
0: yeah you you see that I think what we colloquially colloquially call it um uh only child syndrome <laughs> yes <laughs> why are you laughing?
1: Sam's an only child oh that's right, let's
0: talk about that <laughs> uh okay so i I like how we went off on a crazy like long tangent there <laughs> what i what i was going towards was. Um, how was it doing your job during covid like you started a new job Mm -hmm. and now you can only do things remotely
1: yeah it was tricky and there was a lot of rules that made it tricky like the company i worked for had a one clinician policy so you could only have one client basically so at a time yeah and then they so, finally opened it up so you could have two, but those clients couldn't have any other clinicians. Okay. So what that looked like is I worked 30 hours, 15 hours with each kid. Mm-hmm. So that's a lot of time.
0: How, like how long is a session?
1: Well, it was like three hours, three to four hours a day. Okay. So I would be with that kid for three to four hours, running sessions, doing what they needed during that time. For roughly a week? Mm-hmm. Okay. And just repeat and repeat so that was grueling because it's you're doing the same thing every day with the same kid and oftentimes you start to see certain behaviors that happen with just you they don't happen with other people Mm. um and depending on what behaviors the client engages in if it's like more intense or they're engaging in high rates of aggression like it just takes a toll really quickly
0: on you yeah
1: yeah and then you get burnt out and you get frustrated and you have a shorter Views for that client, which then things start to get really bad. Right. You start to snap more and not handle things the way that you should. Right. So that was rough. And, and this was
0: I, at virtual at the time?
1: Well, I was in person with the kids, but I was virtual with everybody else at the company. Okay. So the only support that I got was like a telescreen. God. And my one of my clients loved to hang up the Zoom call. <laughs> so it was really isolating. And then I was also starting school and I had nobody else who was doing the same program as me that I could talk to about any of it. And it was it was very, very isolating. But you like learn ways to get your knees met in that because it was I was used to being able to just walk into my supervisor's office and be like, hey, I have a question. Mm -hmm. And now I had to take the extra effort to send an email. I'm frustrated. I need help with this. Yeah. Or send a text message. Today is not going well. I need support.
2: Yeah.
1: And once I started doing that, I was like, holy shit, why didn't I do this sooner? Because now people actually know what I'm upset. They actually know what I need. And I'm <laughs> actually getting my needs met. Like, okay,
0: so you you did the things that you were trying to get your clients to do.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I had to do my own intervention of like, okay. Because at first, like, emails make me pretty anxious. I'll read through it three or four times before I send it. Sure. And so the idea of sending an email at the very beginning was like, Okay, deep breaths. I can do this. And then once I started doing it more and more, it became easier and easier. And now it's like, okay, as soon as I have a question, I send an email. Yeah. Get that answer instead of like waiting in the discomfort for as long as I can tolerate. (laughs) So that's a lot better. Yeah. So I think that's probably like the best thing that could have come out of starting a new career in COVID was like, I actually have to tell you what I want. Right. Because if I don't, nothing's going to change.
0: Amazing.
1: So that was good. <laughs> but it was definitely a bumpy, bumpy road.
0: Yeah. and I can imagine.
1: A lot. Yeah. And then like, so we, at the beginning of the pandemic, it was like four months in. Yep. It got considered an essential service. So before that, they were all at home. Yeah. I joined once they started going back in person. But every time you had a COVID scare, you're out of work for two, three God, weeks. No kidding. And- I had one client whose mom worked in the medical profession and so she gets exposed all the time and then I can't go to either clients and now I can't work for three weeks and I have no way of making up that money. And I'm lucky enough that my husband's my sugar daddy and he carried us through. Shout out to Sam. Yeah. But like, if I wasn't in that situation, I don't, I wouldn't have been able to financially survive. Like, yeah.
0: And, and uh, I know, you know, that how many people were in that exact scenario where I was like, oh, hey, I just don't get to work. Yeah. And now my family can't afford yeah. anything.
1: I have no control over it too. Neat. It was very frustrating.
0: Did you get COVID?
1: Uh, we think we did at some point. Yeah. At the very beginning, like when they first announced the symptoms of like losing yes. your smell, we were yeah. like, oh, that's weird. We did too. But I don't know if we ever got like sick, sick with it.
0: That's good. Yeah. So both of you have have gone the whole thing without getting seriously. I think so. That's awesome. I was also deemed essential. Yeah. um, Just as like. I I honestly don't remember because I got into uh, my current job. I got out of construction right at the like early in the pandemic Mm -hmm. and i don't remember if construction was deemed essential do you remember
1: i think it was because sam never stopped working
0: okay so definitely definitely was um but then when i got on where i am now it was like yes you are a hundred percent essential to the operation the day-to-day operation of this Mm -hmm. region and you have to come to work every day which at the time seemed okay that made that made sense but then You know, we saw this with basically every profession, which was like, hey, you're essential. You're critical to the operation of this country. But by the way, we're not actually going to like support you or provide adequate protections or give you any financial compensation or do anything to make it better. And also, fuck you here. You're going to get COVID and there's Mm going to be two outbreaks at work that we're not going to do anything about. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not bitter at all.
1: (laughs) It was a rough time. It was very rough. (laughs) Yeah.
0: You know what I got? I can't tell you what it says on the air here, but I'll I'll sh- show you later. I got a pin like for my for my vest <laughs> oh. that said "essential worker" on it. Oh, nice! That I, Makes up for everything. I wore the shit out of that pin. <laughs> I, I, I pointed it out to everybody I met. I'm like, essential. Yep. There it is. Respect me. There it is. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, so I'm assuming that there are no regulations as far as COVID now. Um, for your job like you can do things basically like you would before
1: yeah i mean if you test positive same 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 but yeah um yeah no more regulate we actually don't even have to wear masks anymore which yeah. has been a huge plus yeah because when you're trying to work with a kid who doesn't communicate right you can't see your mouth like right talking to an alien
0: right H- how much of communication is nonverbal, just coming out of your face yeah it's yeah.
1: huge so it's made a huge difference um, I know a lot of people were like scared to take their masks off going back, and I was like, sure. "Fuck no!" As soon as I can take it off, I'm taking it off so my client can actually see my face. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah, I get it. Um, and has it been better? I'm I like other than the mask thing. Like I gotta imagine that not having like you said, you there were positives about you know doing mm-hmm. things remotely that yeah. you, that you took away, but overall, I gotta imagine that it's much easier and you find yourself much more effective. Yeah. And
1: one weird thing that I've noticed is parents being home, they're a lot more involved. Everyone had to be so close. And so a lot of times, kind of a negative for them, but they would see the behaviors a lot more up close and personal. And so it became more of a like, we need to change this now. So they're more on board with doing the interventions themselves. Yeah, Because sometimes parents will treat us like, you come in the home, you fix it. Ugh. I get to benefit from it later God. and you're like it's not going to work if you do it cuz they're going to be an angel during my session if we do this right. and they're going to be a nightmare during the rest like, of the Like did you notice life. how
0: I built rapport with yeah. your child? Yeah, maybe try it, that.
1: It, <laughs> it, yeah, it's so difficult to explain that. Like I and I mean that's a big thing. A lot of times parents will be like you're going to get rid of the autism, right? And you're like no. Whoa. I'm not. Like <laughs> c- I can't do that. Um but I can give you both skills to make it a little bit easier and to bridge the gap. Yeah. That's the best I can do.
0: Did you ever find yourself in a situation where, like, you saw how things were at home and you're like, I think the parent needs an intervention more than the child?
1: Uh, Sometimes, yeah. And we do parent training as well. You do? Sometimes in those aspects, it's like, okay, this is happening. This behavior is happening. The BCBA will address it with the parents and they'll set goals for them. But we work with a lot of families that once their kid gets diagnosis, they're like, oh, shit. I am going to pursue this for myself and they also get a diagnosis. So that's fairly common Gotcha. um, to see the parents get that later on in life, which is always interesting. But since, I mean, I'm working with a mini version of you, so it's pretty easy to generalize to working with the big version (laughs) of you um, and just communicate in the way that they needed to be communicated to.
0: Do you feel like, this is kind of a hard left, but it's tied to what you were just talking about. Do you feel like you became a miniature version of your parents?
1: No. I have a lot of my like dad's chillness. Mm-hmm. Like I always describe my dad as like kind of an old school pothead. Like he kinda just really chill personality. Follow the grateful dead on tour. Yeah. But like yeah. underneath it all, he's a very anxious guy. Um, oh, is that me? <laughs> and my mom is very outspoken and so i feel like my love of figuring out behaviors was kind mm-hmm. of drawn from me being like an insane people pleaser from a very young age mm-hmm. so if i can understand your behavior i can figure out how to do what's going to make you happy yeah and so that's that's a hundred percent where i get it from I gotcha. and i wouldn't say that like personality wise i kind of goofy and aloof like my dad yeah and sometimes i get really opinionated like my mom yeah but yeah, I wouldn't say that I'm like the mini version. I'm like definitely a combo, though. I can't run away from it.
0: Yeah, I think. Uh, I mean, y- obviously, you and I are friends, and me and Sam are friends. I think that's one of the reasons we all get along. Is, or the reason I get along with with you is just that ability to be, um, relaxed and chill. But also, like, if there is something that you care about, you have no qualms about, um, making it known. Yeah, and I find that. You know, it, it people who I don't get along with are the opposite. Where it's like you're always fucking high strung about the little shit, and then when it comes to like a big a big deal, you're like I don't really care. Yeah, I'm apolitical. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I don't have those friends. <laughs> <laughs> I unfortunately have had to work with those people. <laughs> oh yeah. Um, what were we gonna talk about? So what wh- you said, you mentioned that there's like a need for people like you like this position is not filled enough yeah how bad is it
1: oh it's terrible so my company right now has like 200 clients that are not being served because we don't have enough people so like an insane amount and part of it is that it's a very specialized job Mm -hmm. and it's hard to find people who have the patience and the skills to do it Mm -hmm. and i think also part of it is that sometimes they're not realistic so they'll hire someone and they'll be like this is the job you work with kids you get to change behaviors you change lives it's amazing but they don't tell you sometimes you get bit sometimes you get throat punched sometimes a kid has a (laughs) tantrum where they engage in like what we would say is gross behavior spitting right smearing like wow all that kind of stuff it's
0: that's hardcore
1: yeah it's it's not uncommon in what we do and they don't prepare people so then they see it for the first time and they may not agree with it or they don't talk specifically about like why we do this. It's just, this is how we do what we do. And it's like, well, why do you do it? Well, these behaviors are not exactly conducive to being an independent <laughs> right. individual. Like we have to,
0: you can't be smearing poop yeah. out in the workforce. No. And it, yeah.
1: I mean, it's a huge barrier. So it's like, but they don't ex- explain it that way. Cause they're so, focused on getting you have to have a state license to be a bt and they're so focused on getting you through that process to just get boots on the ground that they don't care whose boots oh god
0: yeah i was thinking along those lines do so you think it's probably not they're they're not giving candidates the full picture in order to get people through the pipeline yeah Yeah. i mean
1: i feel like they should do like a reverse (laughs) hiring process where they like you watch a session right and you see how it goes and show them like one of the worst sessions. Yeah, let's get the video of it. you
0: getting punched in the throat.
1: Yeah. And then like take notes. What do you think is going on? And then train them. Right. Because then it's like now you know if you're interested or not. Some people can handle it. Some people can't. And I don't think I could. It's hard. Like it, you have to have a special... Type of personality to be able to watch someone hurt someone else or yourself, yeah, and be like, I still want to be around you. Do
0: you think that you had that talent, if you want to call it that, before you got into the field, or is that something you cultivated once you were in?
1: No, I think it was always there. It was kind of funny, like my mom always said, I was going to be a teacher, that was the job she said I was going to be. And I taught swim lessons and the kids that I did the best when swim lessons were the ones that screamed and bit and really. clawed and kicked and tried to drown you. I don't know why, but it was always like, I, I just understood them. Mm-hmm. And then those were the kids that would get shoveled into my classes and they would be learning how to swim at the end of the time. Cause I just understood how to communicate with them. And I think it part of it is like ADHD dyslexia on my end. So yeah. like I learned how to pretend in school Mm -hmm. and i now know like if a teacher would have just taken 10 seconds to do this I probably would be a totally different situation
0: yeah i literally just had this conversation with somebody like if like i took everything that that didn't work for me and funneled it into how to fix it yeah now
1: yeah it makes a huge difference because there's just like small things like i can't sit still i have a hard time Maintaining eye contact, all of those things that are Mm -hmm. expected of you to do in a school setting. Mm -hmm. And if someone would have just taken like three seconds to like let me wiggle or to like not require me to sit and stare at you for three hours where I hear nothing you're saying. Right. Then I probably would. It's just like the freaking
0: wind up monkey with the crash symbols. Yeah.
1: Yeah, So I think that like it was a skill that I already possessed. I just was able to kind of tweak it. And focus it a little bit differently. Yeah. Because I have that same patience in my life for everything around me. Yeah. Is that Um, how you're with Sam? Yeah.
0: That's the key to success? Yeah. Patience.
1: You got to be patient to marry
0: an only child. (laughs) Uh, I can only imagine. (laughs) No, actually, I'm a liar. I dated an only child for two years. Shout out to Audrey. I don't even know if she listens to this podcast. (laughs) um yeah it reminds me of of something i read once saying um you know that which we needed most as a kid we inevitably become yeah it sounds like that was like right up like that's the exact path that you took
1: yeah yeah i ended up being the person i wish i would have had yeah which is kind of cool to think about because you don't really look at it that way super cool but yeah it's definitely interesting and like thinking about I've had conversations with my sister because she just started working on the, like, medical billing side of what I do.
0: Is she so older or younger?
1: She's older. She's three years older. Okay. So she works connecting families with the services that I provide. So she's, oh. like, the gateway, basically. Was that
0: just random chance that you ended up in the same? Yeah. That is crazy.
1: It yeah, it is. Like, she was a psychology major, so it makes a lot more sense for her than for me. But, yeah. Um. Once she got into this field and started seeing what I was talking about, it made it a lot easier for us to communicate about what we what I do. Okay. And then she was like, holy shit, she has a daughter of her own now. And she's like, I get it. <laughs> I get it. And I'm like, yeah, it's simple and complicated at the same time.
0: Right. There, it, It's like a, uh, what's it called? Like a low comprehension threshold, but a high comprehension ceiling. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah, it's tricky.
0: Uh, do you plan to stay in this field? Do that's, you find it fulfilling to the point that you want to make this your, your forever?
1: That's a tricky question. In our fields, there is a pretty well-known statistic that after five years, most BCBAs burn out. Wow. So it has a very high turnover rate, and part of that is because it's just a really emotionally grueling job
0: i can't imagine
1: and the other part is that the field isn't designed for us to have success like we work with insurance companies they don't want to pay <laughs> oh us God. for what we do and yeah. they don't want to give us the bandwidth to be able to do what we do but we still have the same expectation
0: how in the world did insurance companies ever weasel their way into any sort of regulation i don't know That but is but it's insanity. the most ridiculous thing it's capitalism
1: so <laughs> i and realistic i love the science of it but i don't think that i'll be able to work as a bcba in the exact facet that i do now sure but there's a lot of options like the study is growing and they're seeing the applications in other ways like the fbi hires bcbas so i can work for the fbi sam says that i would be heartbroken if i saw some sad stories which i think he might be right because i think how could you not be yeah like I think that would take more of a toll than getting bit by a kid because at least when you get bit by a kid, you're like, I see what I need to do next time. And you
0: immediately have like a plan to fix that behavior
1: versus when you're like reading a serial killer's profile and you're like, "Ooh, (laughs) someone did you wrong. Right. I, I think that'd be a little bit difficult, but they also do it for companies so that you can like go in and look, what are you doing Why are your employees behaving this way? It's because you're not providing enough of X, Y, and Z. Like pizza parties (laughs) do not make up for underpaid staff.
0: I literally just had a pizza party at work.
1: (laughs) It doesn't make up for anything. It's like great pizza. Thanks. I was like, why the fuck
0: are we doing this? And somebody was like, oh, because we did a thing. And I'm like, can we get paid?
1: (laughs) Yeah. So it's, I think I will be doing this science for a long time. Yeah. Because I absolutely love it. But the specific role that I'm doing, I'm probably going to jump around a bit.
0: Okay. Yeah. That's a very comprehensive answer. That was like that. I don't have any like follow up (laughs) questions. I dig it. (laughs) I'm just like sitting over here like learning. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, Well, that was, I'm looking at my questions here. So obviously you find this fulfilling. I mean, everything we've talked about, I think points to this being something you're passionate about and something that you find worthwhile.
1: Yeah, it's very cool. That's dope. It's takes a, it takes a toll, though. Oh yeah. But I think anything you're that passionate about does.
0: Yeah, especially I can. I mean, there's a lot of passions that I think people like music. One of my best friends is a musician. Mm-hmm. That is a hundred percent his passion. Like, yeah, that is his lifeblood. Um, I don't think that the, you know, act of um playing and listening and creating music would take a toll like the one you're talking about. But I think specifically how how you're describing it is, you know, if you're passionate about something that involves other people, that is often where the toll comes in because yeah. he he's a teacher oh. and he's hundred percent passionate about it. But you can see the toll. Even I can see it. Yeah. As much as he loves what he does, I see how it affects him negatively. Yeah. And that is, it's difficult.
1: Yeah, it is. When you work with people, you oftentimes get exposed to their (laughs) deepest, darkest woes and you have to take on what you know about their stories. Even if it's not directly to you, like hearing some of the trauma stories of my clients, I can't, I can never erase and I can never take that pain away. And like it, It's heartbreaking to know how many people have been exposed to such terrible things such so early in life like yeah so that that takes a toll and when you see like a family dynamic where you're like this is rough um this like you guys are not in a good place that's also hard because knowing that
0: you're only going to come in for a set amount of time and then you're going to do the best you can but at some point you just leave them with whatever you leave them with yeah good luck
1: yeah that that's a little really rough
0: I totally get that. I have a tendency to want to like intervene and, and control and Mm -hmm. like, would you just fucking listen to me? Yeah. (laughs) And that doesn't work. Like that really doesn't, that's not how life works.
1: No. People have to decide that they want to change and they want to take the steps. And if they don't want to do that, it's not up to you to change their mind because they're not going to. That is fucking difficult. Yeah. Yeah. That's (laughs) the roughest part. I I used
0: to lose a lot of sleep (laughs) about that. Yeah. Oh, man. How's the money?
1: Oh, another tricky question. So <laughs> part of the reason why we don't have enough staff is because the boots on the ground get paid shit.
0: That's where I got that question. Yeah. So
1: the average BT, who's the one who gets throat punched, the one that gets yeah in the situations, they get paid roughly around $18 to $26 an hour.
0: Jesus.
1: So here... And especially since you're working with kids, they cancel, and when yes. they cancel, you don't get paid. Oh my god! And if your client takes a vacation for a week, and you don't have a sub session, you don't get paid for that week. So this is where the sugar daddy was coming in. Yeah. Okay. So that's the trick. Is like you don't make very much hourly. They only typically schedule you for thirty to thirty-six hours a week because it's really int- it's a lot to yeah. work directly with someone. So the people we need the most don't mm. get paid enough to sustain themselves so we can't keep the good people
0: the essential worker yeah
1: and most of the time like i'm a very strong bt i'm now gonna be a supervisor yeah so that's what happens is the people you move up yeah you move up and then the the pay gap is insane, like the average salary mm-hmm. for a BCBA in Seattle is eighty thousand dollars starting. hell, yeah, so going from twenty six dollars an hour thirty hours a week, making like maybe thirty thousand dollars a year, you're to eighty, yeah, like why wouldn't you make that jump?
0: You're making money moves, yeah, yeah,
1: and there's no point not to. and there's not really any in between either, yeah, like there's one license that's in between. I got a dollar an hour raise. Wow. <laughs> So I'm going to more than double my salary when I get my license. Which that's exciting. Is, it is very exciting for me, but I'm like, it makes me angry at the field that we can't yeah. have more gradual steps. Instead, I have to go from like barely scraping by and relying 100% on my husband's income right. to being a strong, independent woman. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> like That's stupid. And being
0: like, hey, babe, you can take today off. So yeah. Sleep in. I yeah, got it's this. Rough. Like I've
1: 100% <laughs> relied on him to get me through this. Yeah. And not everyone is in the same situation, so there's Right. They're not going to be able to do that.
0: Right. And and I would imagine I I'm, like not to discredit your own abilities at all, but the support system that you had in getting to where you are probably was critical in allowing you to become as good at your job as you currently are.
1: Oh yeah. Yeah, all of the career moves that I made were i could do because of my husband right like i wouldn't have been able to switch jobs and go to a lower paying jobs he had experience without him and that's what's made me the best version of what i'm gonna be hell yeah which is great and then i just look at him and I'm like hey i'm gonna like send you a check when i get that Love big girl you. paycheck like <laughs> you'll see the deposit slip
0: well, we give sam two thumbs up yeah
1: <laughs> yeah that support system has been like i wouldn't I wouldn't have been able to do any of this journey without him.
0: That's awesome. Yeah. If somebody wants to go into this line of work, like if you, if you're, if I know we touched on, you know, these, these kids coming out of the pipeline through school, but if somebody is thinking that they might want to be involved in ABA, what do you recommend that they do to avoid being that person that comes out, you know, all dewy eyed and just falls on their face? What what should we be telling the people that are getting into this brand new?
1: It is so hard because it's definitely a hit the ground running kind of job. Like sure. you go through training and you get scheduled with the client and you're off to the races. Yeah. But I think just like advocating for yourself is huge. If you're feeling uncomfortable, unsafe, unsure, mm-hmm. communicate that with your supervisors. Ask for the support because like we don't know you need us until you tell us.
0: Sure. So and you're you're you are specifically the one going out to support. Yeah. other people now yeah and gotcha.
1: part of that what i've done is like the same thing as being the adult i needed when i was a kid mm-hmm. is like are you feeling frustrated how do you feel we just saw an escalation what are your emotions right now like right. what do you need from me what kind of feedback do you like do you want me to communicate with you frequently what do you need right. and the response has been like crazy i'm like damn i wish there was a me when i was in your shoes <laughs> But, like, it's so valuable because the people that I'm going out to see, they're new. They don't have any of that support system. I'm like, do these things. Like, do if you need help, send right. these emails. Do this thing. Like, take care of yourself. If you need to take the day off, take the day off. Right. Don't just work yourself into the ground. We need you. Like,
0: we, you can't care for these people if you don't care for yourself. Yeah.
1: <laughs> and, like, you you got to emphasize that. So, I feel like it if you're getting into the field, like, prioritize your self-care over everything because yeah. if you aren't taking care of yourself you're not gonna be able to do this job effectively yeah and you're gonna burn out like everyone does at some point point. and advocate like if you have a question about anything
0: ask can, can we go ahead and just apply what you just said to life in general yeah. like hey if you can't take care of yourself all of your other relationships are gonna suffer yeah weird huh
1: yeah you really you really got to prioritize that first and i think that's one of those like our generation things where yeah it's like we're just figuring out that our generations before didn't do that no, <laughs> totally we're like oh it's really important to be like a successful human being who doesn't end up resenting everybody and hating their life when they die <laughs> like you have to weird identify that
0: yeah you totally do you kind of have to like look up like Hello. Yeah. <laughs> Rachel, how old are you again?
1: I am 28.
0: Okay. Yeah, we are. Same generation.
1: Yeah.
0: Ah, man, this was a good interview. <laughs> I don't think I have any other questions. Sweet. Do you have anything that you want to say, like, as far as something you want to promote or anything that is on your own agenda?
1: Hmm. I mean, I guess, like, the big thing is that ABA has a bad rap. Because really, yeah, because when it started, people weren't trained and okay, people were like, I'm practicing ABA, and they weren't, and it was based off of using punishment, so timeouts and like restrictive procedures. Sure, now the field is very different, and I think that it gets a bad rap because people think we are only trying to decrease behaviors, and oftentimes I'm gonna replace some behaviors and increase others, but like go into it with the mindset of everything changes and with the more science that we have the more research that we have mm-hmm. the perspectives completely change so it's not the same aba as it was yeah
0: and it got treated like a pseudoscience is kind of what it sounds like yeah
1: and I'll, oftentimes people were just like focused on trying to erase autism so that's a big <laughs> thing that people God. talk about like you can't erase autism what are attributes of your autism are like part of your personality yeah but what we can do is we can lessen the barriers so if this behavior is a barrier for you let's try and make it less of a barrier right but
0: like results driven yeah, yeah.
1: like i want you to be as independent as possible mm-hmm. but if you enjoy flapping your hands in public places and looking at light fixtures like be you do you boo-boo. like that sounds great i wish i could look at lights and get the same like input as you do but I'm not going to try to erase that for you. Right. I'm going to try to give you the skills to be as independent as you can.
0: Yeah. The goal is not to say, Oh, I don't have autism. It's I can function as a, a person on a day to day basis. Yeah.
1: Yeah. We're never going to get rid of autism and autism is honestly beautiful. There's some like crazy cool things that come with that diagnosis. And I think that it's underappreciated in that way. Yeah. So I'm never going to erase that from you.
0: Yeah. You know, if if we're think, thinking about like what benefits that it might, contribute to somebody's life like if my grandfather is on the spectrum it has 100 percent benefited him in that he is like a technical wizard with all things mechanical yeah and it's i know he he grew up a little bit like in that environment but it's like he he doesn't have any issues fixing anything like it could be a car or an airplane or his house oh, that's cool. or uh, uh you know a lawnmower it doesn't matter yeah and that's how he built his life. It was around that ability, you know, even what he started in the military working on airplanes and that and then worked for Boeing working on airplanes and that was his that's how he made a living,
1: yeah, it does cool things I mean yeah. they see the world in a different way, and sometimes it's more overwhelming yeah um and but it's just it's just different like all of us feel differently in different situations. I don't particularly love crowds.
0: Oh, me neither.
1: They stress me out. Sam does though. Like, does he? he? He gets so ex- when we go and we like he can socialize with random people. He's like, "This is great. I love talking to strangers." That is adorable. And I am like, deep breath. Okay, he's already made the intro. I can join. So, <laughs> yeah. like, we all just experience everything differently. We just have to appreciate that because you can't change
0: it i think you hit the nail on the head at the end there is like we have to understand that we are all experiencing the same life mm-hmm. that we're all living but differently yeah like you you and i are experiencing this interview in entirely different ways yeah and we didn't touch on it at all but i have no idea oh no we did touch on it i have no idea what you're thinking right now and why you might be saying certain things and why you might be reacting a certain way yeah and vice versa So, you know, this might come off as like the best thing ever to me. And after this interview, you're going to be like, can we delete the whole thing? (laughs) I don't know.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it's totally different for everybody.
0: I had one more question. I know we're trying to wrap it up here. um, But from the very beginning of, of this talk, I had, it had popped into my head. Is autism, like, is it a diagnosable, like, biological function or is it just a collection of behaviors
1: tricky question so yeah they don't know what causes it so you can't like look at a person necessarily and give that diagnosis there's a lot of different features of it yeah so how they diagnose it is that you have to meet the criteria for certain things so a delay in communication Mm -hmm. um some sort of a social aspect to it Mm -hmm. um rigid and repetitive actions or interests Mm -hmm. so like if you're really into one thing and you can't tolerate anything else you love trains you can't tolerate anything else that Mm -hmm. might be part of it um but it's kind of objective to get the actual diagnosis which is interesting it is um so yeah like but the main thing is that there's a delay in communication and there's a social aspect of it. There's some okay. part of the social. And a lot of that is like, if you think about it, we develop language through social interactions. Yeah. We learn to talk because parents are talking to us or adults are talking near us. Mm-hmm. And if you're missing that social piece, you're not going to pick up that language because you don't understand the imitation of that. Gotcha. So oftentimes, sometimes we'll get learners where it's like they're not talking because they haven't learned through that imitation. We okay. teach them the way their brain works. They're speaking in full sentences now like it's not it's like opening a door gotcha um and other times you don't quite get that but it a lot of that is like you do learn language from communication from socialization so those are the like criteria but my profession we surprisingly don't get a ton of training on autism specifically like What autism looks like diagnostically, Mm -hmm. what characterizes it, all that kind of stuff. We just see all of the different versions because it is a spectrum. Right. Very, very broad spectrum. So I've had kids where I have full conversations with and we're working on self-help skills and like acts of daily living. And I've had kids who have zero communication skills and we're working on teaching them communication. Okay. So the widest spectrum you can think of.
0: Yeah. (laughs) okay well thank you yeah i r- appreciate having you here Yeah, and um i learned a lot and i hope that the listeners on this podcast you know learn something too oh yeah i think one of the biggest if not the biggest thing that i'm trying to do with this whole project is just shed light on shit that we don't talk about yeah like that might be the primary thing that we're doing here is like hey this is a real thing that needs to be it, mm-hmm. it it needs we need to generate awareness yeah and you know the more we talk about it if if you don't talk about something it's not going to get better
1: yeah and it doesn't go away so. <laughs>
0: so. yeah despite what we've been told yeah. our entire lives you <laughs> can't just hide hide the shit that matters no it, no it, it's still there it's, it's still there still there <laughs> Okay, Rachel, thank you. Uh, Mm -hmm. I appreciate it, and uh, let's go eat. Yes, tacos. All right. And before we sign off here, just a reminder that, you know, instead of listing out every place that this podcast can be found, I'm just going to tell you this. It can be found on pretty much any platform that podcasts are found. Uh, I will tell you it is hosted on Podbean, .podbean justicetenna.podbean.com dot com and then pretty much any streaming app site whatever where podcasts are you can find us there and when i say us i mean me your ex-boyfriend's podcast if you want to reach out with any questions comments concerns ideas or if you want to be a guest you can always email me at your exbf podcast at gmail.com I'm also on Instagram at your underscore E-X-B-F underscore podcast, your X-B-F podcast. And finally, I would like to thank Rachel again for being on this podcast. For all those listening, that is the type of uh, conversation we're going to have. You've now heard two interviews that I've done in the last couple of weeks. And if that sort of format of uh, casual conversation works for you, I'd love for you to reach out and we'll get you on the show. I think no matter who comes on, we're going to have a good time and have a laugh, learn some stuff, and shed some light on some topics that maybe need shedding. (laughs) Uh, So with that, everybody stay safe out there. Enjoy this beautiful weather. And I will talk to you next Sunday.